What is the first R-rated movie you saw as a kid? A 12-pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon and two pounds of Cool Ranch Doritos. Boy, could they act, huh? Yeah. I did spoil another movie. You know what? We're just like Hitchcock. You just ruined it. That's kind of a dick move, Kurt. And behind it, sitting at the desk, is this duck. Hippity, hoppity, hoopy. Time for some smart dribble loopy. Okay, guys, it's time again for smart dribble. This is your co-host, Kurt Schneider. And John Ellenthal. I always smile and sometimes laugh when you do your openings. So I guess those are good openings, Kurt. Well, I try to get the smart out right early. So it's out quickly. Kurt, you know what we're going to talk about today? One of our all-time most favorite things to do. We are going to the movies, Kurt. Get your popcorn ready. Because we are going to talk about some of our most favorite movies ever. They may or may not be the favorite movies of critics or other fans or our listeners, but these are the movies that hold a special place in our hearts. What do you say? Love it, love it, love it. Let's get I to love it. the movies. You know, sometimes I think that it would have been fun in one of the many other parallel careers that I play out in my mind to be a screenwriter and to make movies. How cool would that be? You know, it's very funny. And I've always wanted to be an actor. I don't want to put in the work. I want to go right away to be a leading man in like a knight picture where I am swinging a big sword and I'm cutting off a dragon's head and then I'm taking the damsel who wasn't distressed alongside. (laughs) The damsel who wasn't distressed. Well, I have an idea for both of us. Why don't we take a step toward our dreams, mine of being a screenwriter and yours of being an actor by doing a podcast? What do you think? Wait a second. We're doing right, it. Kurt. We are doing it. So let's kick off our discussions about the movies. Now, we're not going to do one of those traditional, you know, top 10 lists or things like that. But we've got a bunch of questions that I'm going to ask you and me. And Kurt, I would, I would thank you. I'm in as well. I would like you to start by telling me and us one or more of the funniest movies you've ever seen. Without a doubt, Airplane is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. It Not only was it hysterical when I first saw it in 1975 or whenever it came out, but repeatedly, standing the test of time, it is one of the funniest damn movies ever. I was going to ask both of us, what movie or movies that you probably quote or refer to in conversation more than any other? And I think Airplane would be my answer to that question as well. I also want to throw in for consideration Young Frankenstein, which is another movie that I find myself quoting with alarming frequency. How about Blazing Saddles? Harumph, harumph. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. We got a little Mel Brooks thing going on here. So my favorite scene in Blazing Saddles, and it's hard to pick a favorite scene, when the town of Rock Ridge is trying to stave off the cavalry from coming in and doing all sorts of bad things to the townspeople, In an effort to slow down the advance of the cavalry, they have the idea of putting a single-lane toll booth in the middle of the prairie. All of these guys and horses are coming, and they pull up to the toll booth, and it says 10 cents. (laughs) And then Slim Pickens starts patting his pockets, looking for coins. He's looking around. Anyone have a dime? Now we got to go back and get a shitload of dimes. Very funny. He also, you know, History of the World Part 1, Piss boy, piss boy, wait for the shake. We could have just done a whole Mel Brooks scene. All right, Kurt, 
tell me about a movie that just makes you feel good when you watch it or think about it. I just saw it the other day, and I have not seen it in probably 25 or 30 years. And I was as taken with it two days ago or a week ago when I started as I was back then. I'm, of course, talking about the story of these Cutter kids in Bloomington, Indiana, who ride bikes in Breaking Away. What was that guy's name? Was it Jackie Haley, the, one of the lead actors? Dennis Quaid. Well, Dennis Quaid was in it, but one of the bike kids. Wasn't what? he the same kid that was in, um, in Bad, Bad News, News Bears? Bears? Yes, he was like the greaseball in Bad News Bears. Right, and he I didn't grow, by the way. <laughs> he was the I big guess. kid in Bad News Bears. We're all the same height on bikes, Kurt. Knock it off. But I guess his name is not Jackie Haley. Yeah, it's something like that. All right. That is a beautiful movie. And Bloomington, Indiana. Wow. Very. What is it about it, Kurt, that just makes you feel good? First of all, it's an underdog film, right, from the get-go. And it is the local kids who are the cutters. That means they're the sons of people who actually cut granite and cut rock that's used to make the University of Indiana where all the rich kids go. So it's the underdog story. It's also the story within the story of kids who feel that their lives have no place where they can go. And all of a sudden, they're given something that they can strive for and be and see. And also, besides being a love story, it's a wonderful father-son story about how you can relate to different generations and how tough it is, but you will find common ground. Oh, it's beautiful. All right. Well, your description of it was beautiful, Kurt. Can you answer the question yourself? What's a movie that makes you feel good? Not only does it make me feel good, but it has the word good in its title, Goodwill Hunting. Really? Doesn't that movie make you feel good? There's a beautiful scene at the end when Ben Affleck is talking to Matt Damon, basically saying the best day of my life will be the day that I come by your house in the morning to pick you up like I do every day. And you're not there because you've taken your brilliance, you've taken your genius, and you have gone out gotten out of here, out of this life, and done something incredible and important. Of course, you have a love story in there as well. He goes after Minnie Driver at the end. So I think that's a real feel good. It's a buddy movie. It's a fish out of water movie. Those scenes where Matt Damon is showing up the really smart Harvard kids in the bar because he just knows more and they're a bunch of obnoxious, pretentious, skin deep, and he just sticks it to them. How about them apples, Kurt? I'm with you. I, I wouldn't think it's a feel-good movie, but now you've convinced me. I think it is. I would think it was a, it's a movie you want to root for and you want to root for the character. So, okay. But I just think the relationship between Ben Affleck and Matt Damon is just a beautiful thing. And I think they won an Academy Award at a very young age for screenwriting for that movie. All right, Kurt, you mentioned father-son relationship and breaking away. Is there a movie that is just the ultimate father-son movie for you? Oh, boy. Well, you can answer this first while I think about it. All right. This also is the answer to the question of what my favorite sports movie is. I am a complete sucker for Field of Dreams. Not only is it a baseball movie, which is part of my religion, but the relationship between father and son in that movie, when Kevin Costner is able to have a catch with his dad on the Field of Dreams, that is the ultimate father-son movie for me. What a beautiful, basic thing to do with your dad. Throw a baseball around, have a baseball cat. That is like one of the basic units of the father-son relationship for many people. I think it's symbolic of connection with your father. Did you suspend your disbelief for that movie? No, I'm totally convinced that voices 
uh, on farms speak to farm owners who are being threatened with bankruptcy to build a baseball field in the middle of their cornfield because that happens every day. What's unbelievable about that, Kurt? Listen, after a few gin and tonics, I'm with you on that. Okay. Do you have a movie that where no obligation, but where the father-son dynamic just speaks to you? Well, it's this is a not a father-son. It's a buddy movie. It's the ultimate buddy movie, but they actually have sort of a father-son type of relationship in the beginning, and then it becomes sort of one of equals. And I think it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And it's one of those movies where I tell my kids all the time, have you seen this movie? Have you seen this movie? I'm talking about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. They're both underdogs. And boy, we're really for the underdog, aren't we? I mean, you are. You, we're going to dig into you, how, why you so easily identify with the underdog. How about Catherine Ross in that movie? Was how about, she not spectacularly beautiful? And when, by the way, there is the movie, the, the song of the year was from that movie. And it's when Paul Newman is riding her on, on the, the bicycle. bicycle. I can't remember. Is it Sunshine? Uh, oh, no? you are close. You're opposite. Raindrops keep falling, falling on my head. Yes, I knew it was weather. <laughs> it was weather related. B.J. Thomas, raindrops keep falling on my head. Catherine Ross, she was the daughter in The Graduate, right? Which is my favorite movie, I think, of all time, John. Really? Plastics, yeah. Kurt. Plastics. Exactly. It's your favorite movie of all time. Give me two reasons that it's your favorite movie of all time, and then we'll move on. The first is... It is, in my mind, the quintessential movie that set and broke and divided all movie making from what came before it and what came after it. Oh, really? It was that essential. What Mike Nichols wrote and the way he shot it and the way the story was told, it was not unlike, and we've talked about him in the past, it's not unlike Jackson Pollock painting or Van Gogh painting, where you nothing like the past and so you everything think, afterwards is different. So you consider The Graduate to be a demarcation line between movies before and movies after? Themes before, themes after. It was real. It, it broached a subject that we didn't talk about beforehand. It was gritty. What was the subject? Well, he was having an affair with an older married woman, and it was not a happy ending. We talked about a lot of happy endings. Yes, they got married, but boy, they had a hell of a future in front of them. All right. Permission to blow your mind about The Graduate, Kurt. Go. Anne Bancroft. Yes. Mrs. Robinson. Dustin Hoffman's character's name was what? Benjamin. Benjamin. They're having this affair between generations. Do you know what the age difference was between the two of them? In the movie or in real life? In real life. Probably about six years. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. She was 37. He was 31. Boy, could they act, huh? Yeah. yeah. All right. That really is. Uh, look, that is one of the all-time greats. And, every and I time, will say the soundtrack to that was amazing by Simon and Garfunkel. Amazing. Cuckoo, 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 Mrs. Robinson. All right. I want to talk about a movie that is not a well-known big blockbuster, but you know it to be a great movie, or at least it's a great movie to you. Give me one of those, Kurt. Okay. I would say Witness for the Prosecution. Based on an Agatha Christie movie, it was shot in the 50s, 55, 57, something like that. Charles Lofton, Tyrone Power, and Marlena Dietrich. Wow. It 
takes place basically the entire movie in an English courtroom that's supposed to be from like the 19th century. I'd like to see that. It will grip you. And because it's Agatha Christie, twist you, turn you, and you will be bedazzled by it the entire time. I'm going to watch that. A witness for the prosecution. You know what that makes me think of when you were talking about the courtroom? You know, movies today obviously have extraordinary budgets and we have all of these crazy effects. And I think one of the best movies ever made, which is so minimalistic in its set, is Rear Window. Alfred Hitchcock in that movie, I don't think Grace Kelly was ever more beautiful or or spectacular. To catch a thief, she was pretty beautiful too, but I'm with you. Anyway, that movie, Rear Window, is gripping, it is scary, it is suspenseful, and the scene barely changes. So that's brilliant movie making. They didn't quite have the same theatrics, explicit theatrics that we do now. But let's get back to the question of... Wait, wait, just finishing up with that, because Hitchcock bears a whole podcast in and of himself. You know what? We're just like Hitchcock, because as you know, of course, he appeared in each of his movies, and we appear in our podcasts. So this is like our Hitchcockian technique. And, you know, I've been eating so much lately, I'm kind of getting the Hitchcockian potbelly as well. Oh, very nice. So you're really, you're, you're like a method actor. So your acting career is well underway. Hitchcockian. And, you know, he's very Kenyonic in his film choice. <laughs> yes, I'm sure he is. So I would like to share with you a movie that is not a big blockbuster in large part because it was a foreign language film Ooh. that is remarkably beautiful. And I will never forget seeing it's a movie from the late 80s called Cinema Paradiso. Oh, did you see course. it? Of course I did. Gorgeous. In Italy, when they're sitting outside and the movies, oh my God, yeah. gorgeous. It takes place in a war-torn Sicilian village. And it's a story of a young boy who escapes from the war and his living conditions by falling deeply in love with movies at the local movie theater called Cinema Paradiso. And he develops this wonderful lifelong relationship with movies, grows up, becomes the projectionist, and ultimately leaves his village and his movie theater, which is like his place of worship, to pursue his dream of filmmaking. And it is such a beautiful movie. I hope everybody listening goes out and watches Cinema Paradiso. So I agree with you. Do we have a similar taste in movies? Because we keep agreeing with each other. All right, well, let's come up with something that we don't agree with. Tell me about a really popular genre of movies that you just don't like uh the marvel movies you know what i am not into those either so we agreed again i'm not a sci-fi guy i did see some of the star wars movies and I, i worked with a lot of people where star wars was so important to them that i had to watch the more recent movies or else we'd have nothing to talk about and they really are very good but i am just not a sci-fi guy i'm embarrassed to say that i've never seen lord of the rings Oh, no, no, no. Very good. Oh, boy. You give me a rainy ass weekend where I can't go outside and you give me the three Lord of the Rings and the seven Harry Potters, a 12 pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon and two pounds of Cool Ranch Doritos. And I'm a happy camper. Well, listen, Kurt, maybe you could do that now, because while it's not raining, we are having a pandemic. So this might be a good time for you to overdo it on Doritos and Pabst Blue Ribbon. About the Lord of the Rings. First of all, Tolkien was an absolute genius and you talk about the hobbit okay in writing bilbo baggins here's a guy that in writing he just he was a student at oxford and the stuff just came to him and he started cranking on wild wild themes now of course the themes he uses are almost identical to the themes that jk rowling uses in harry potter she borrows an 
awful lot from uh, Tolkien, but both equally great. All right. So you gave me witness for the prosecution earlier. Do you like old movies like that? I do very much. You like to harken back to earlier times quite frequently and fantasize about living in New York City in the late 1940s. So give me another movie that's pre-1950 that we'll call an old movie that is on your list of all-time greats. Gaslight. And you know what's funny about this movie? It's now become a word that people throw around all yeah. the time. The news is throwing it around on now. If you go to any news site, people talk about it, and they don't know its provenance nor what it really means. Well, I think they're using it correctly. So why don't you correct me about what we don't understand about it? So the movie Gaslight takes place in London and Belgravia, probably in the 19th century. And it's a man who's married this woman, but he's really been a gold digger. And then he wants to take all of her money and get her out of the house. And because he's got... Oh, he gaslights her. And what he does is he turns on and off the gaslight. He has someone go up into the attic. Well, he goes up and I don't want to give it away for people, but he turns up and down the gas to make her think that she's going crazy. And you know what's funny about you not wanting to ruin this for people? We're not talking about a movie that's out right now that people are dying to see. This is a movie that was made before 1950. So I think you are under no obligation to avoid spoiler alerts. I did spoil another movie, and it's considered... Recently? No, I, I spoiled the movie in 1985. The movie was probably done in 1950. It's considered the greatest movie of all time. It is in Kane. What did you tell people about Citizen Kane back in 1985? So I was in London, and it was playing in a movie theater in London, and a bunch of us expats all decided to go. And we're all sitting down. We're excited. And only one of the people had seen it. And we're sitting, oh, it's just so excited. I've heard it's so great. And right before the movie started, I looked over to people, and I said, you know, right. the name of the sled is Rosebud. That's kind of a dick move, Kurt. I'd never seen it before. I just, I had known someone had told me this. And the one person who had seen it turned to me and said, are you kidding? You just ruined it for everyone. Yeah, here. That, that would be the one thing you'd want to keep from everybody else. So, Kurt, would you like to know a movie that I love that was made Please. before 1950? Please. Yes, I was just going to ask you. This has got to be on most top 10 lists or at least top 20 lists of all time. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's Casablanca. I did not see Casablanca until I was in college, so mid-80s. That scene at the end, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. I mean, that is in the pantheon of Hollywood movie moments. What's your take on Casablanca? Look, it is considered one of the greatest movies of all time for a reason. So I happen to agree with you. And then you have Ingrid Bergman, who is absolutely stunningly gorgeous in that movie as she is in a lot of the Hitchcock ones, like Spellbound. So Ingrid Bergman in Casablanca or Grace Kelly in Rear Window? Who's more beautiful? That's tough, but I would have to go with Grace Kelly. I've driven on Grace Kelly Drive quite a bit in Philadelphia, but I've never met her. And of course, that unfortunately can't happen now. So Kurt, what is the first R-rated movie you saw as a kid, assuming you were a kid at the time? Not only was it that I see it in the movie theater, it was my first R-rated movie, it also, which was funny because for, for everyone in our generation, it was Saturday Night Fever. It was not for me. For me, it was Animal House. Ah. And also one of my top five movies of all time. So we discussed previously that 
it doesn't age all that well. It was extraordinary at the time, but as the world has become slightly more outrageous since that movie was made, it's quite a bit less outrageous by modern standards, but it's obviously one of the great movies. And it was filmed on your college campus, so I'm sure you have a special relationship with it. It was actually filmed on the University of Oregon, but it was written by someone who went to Dartmouth, and it was about his experiences at Dartmouth. Okay, but here's the thing. I thought you went to the University of Oregon, which is why you always talk about ducks and you quack quite a bit. So one of my favorite cartoons of all time, we've talked about comics. We were talking about R-rated movies. Actually. I know, but we're, I was a freshman in college. <laughs> I happened to be looking at National Lampoon, funnily enough, because they did Animal House. But I opened it up and there's a picture of a huge corner office. And this desk is enormous. It's clearly a huge CEO. And behind it, sitting at the desk, is this duck. And the bubble says, not bad, dot, 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 for a duck. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what was your first R-rated movie, John? You know, it's not Saturday Night Fever, although that was absolutely one of the first I did see. But the first one I saw, I think it was at a friend's birthday party. I think he was 12. They took us to the movies, and we saw Slapshot. Slapshot. I've never seen it. People love that movie. Okay. It is embarrassing to me that you have not seen that movie. I will see Witness for the Prosecution. You need to see Slapshot. It is an all-time great movie. Paul Newman. It is about a hockey team, a failing hockey team in a town that's down on its luck back in the 70s when fisticuffs were a big part of hockey's identity. Donnie but it has, it has so many great lines. You know what? I, well, I won't tell you about the movie since you haven't seen it. All of our listeners have. But I, that was my first R-rated movie. It was in the theater, Slapshot. There was nudity. Is that what gave it its R-rated movie? I think it earned its R-rated rating, both because of nudity and adult language. Okay. John, what is the scariest movie you have ever seen? You know what? I have an instant answer to that question. And this movie is not a good movie at all. I don't think it was well-reviewed. I don't think people liked it. And I don't know if I liked it, but there's one scene that sticks with me until this day. And the movie is the Amityville Horror, which is based on, <laughs> based on apparently a true story about a family in Amityville, Long Island, that one of the sons killed his family and the house was haunted. In the opening part of the movie, the son, who's going to do this terrible thing, wakes up, has his shotgun, and he walks into his parents' bedroom, and the clock says 3.15 a.m. And when I wake up now in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom or whatever, and it's 3.15, it freaks me out. I never bothered to watch that movie because it did tank, I think. But what I will do is... Someday I will sneak into your bedroom and I will make sure the clocks are all stuck at 3.15 so when you wake up. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for your emotional generosity. What is the scariest movie you ever saw, Kurt, so I can seek revenge? Without a doubt, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, The Child Catcher. Is there a scarier... I mean, The Wicked Witch in The Wizard of Oz was scary and those flying monkeys were scary, but I'm with you. The scariest character of all time in movies has to be the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Scared the living pants off me, John. 
all the kids used to hide out in the sewer under the street so they wouldn't be caught. Yeah. Oh my God, that was terrible. <laughs> and of course, we now know who wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Ian Fleming, of course. Ian Fleming of James Bond fame. Kurt, I've got one for you. Tell me about a very famous movie other than Slapshot that you've never seen. On the Waterfront. It could have been somebody. It could have been a contender. I've actually never seen it either. Singing in the Rain. Just the famous scene. I've never watched the entire movie. <gasps> the possibly one of the greatest movies of all time, by far the best movie musical of all time. When you see Donald O'Connor doing Make Him Laugh, oh my goodness, you'll think this guy was a genius. And he didn't get his due because Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly were the big Hollywood musical dancing guys. Donald O'Connor could dance. He could act. He could sing. And when you see Make Him Laugh, if you don't want to watch the whole movie, YouTube, Make Him Laugh, Donald O'Connor. I will bet you dollars to donuts. You will pee in your pants laughing and say, this guy's a genius. Give me a movie from the 1970s that is important to you. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Was that the 70s? What year do you think that was? Or maybe it was early 80s. Okay, maybe you misunderstood the question. <laughs> All right, so we'll give you, we'll expand the 70s to include Raiders of the Lost Ark. What was it about that that grabbed you? It has everything. It has action. It has romance. It has historical facts and figures and mythology that all comes together. It has good guys. It has bad guys. It has superhero-ness. It has laughter, comedy. It's, oh my God, it is. So it has everything, huh? It has, there's, well, I can give you one thing it doesn't have, a 1970 birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I think it Our, looks, I looks like it's a 1981 away. movie, Kurt. I gave you Breaking Away, which was that 70s. I'm sorry, we can't reuse answers. Another great movie that I've not seen, which I really do need to see, is 12 Angry Men. Oh, my God. Fantastic. Yes. So, John, tell me, because we need to sign off now. First of all, I'd like our listeners to please tell us what their favorite movies are in any of these categories we discussed. Kurt, how can but they do that? They can tweet us at, at Smart Dribble. They can go on Instagram, Smart Dribble. They can go to LinkedIn. They can go to Facebook. Talk to us, people. But, John, in closing, give me a movie we have not talked about that you would say is probably your favorite or one of your favorites, one we have not talked about. Well, I do want to point out that we really didn't spend any time talking about The Godfather or The Godfather 2, two movies that are seen by at least movie critics as the top movie or two of all time, along with Citizen Kane. I know what movie you're going to say when I ask you the same question. Uh, tell me a great movie that we haven't mentioned that is an all-timer for you, top five, and it has to be Deliverance, Kurt. <laughs> uh, no, John, I will tell you what it is. The Princess Bride. Uh, I know you love that movie. Oh, what's not? It, it is probably the perfect movie, if you think about it. It's the perfect... Tell us why. Well, covers almost every genre, every human emotion... It tugs at your heartstrings. It also throws you one way or the other. You don't know if you're rooting for this person or against this person, but you have an emotional connection to the characters from the get-go, and it does not let that connection go until the very end. And even then, oh. So we're going to wrap up here. Go to the movies. Enjoy it. Ciao. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.